Hello and welcome to this IBR Business Profile, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. For the Business Profile segment in the 27th edition of our program, which aired during the first weekend of July 2020, we focused on Cedar Falls Utilities, an umbrella for a collection of municipally owned companies. I spoke with Steve Bernard, Cedar Falls Utilities General Manager, about another major upgrade to their broadband internet service. Broadband is a major issue here in Iowa, especially given the difficulties of reaching rural areas. The Federal Communications Commission officially classifies broadband as 25 megabits per second. The top speed now provided by Cedar Falls Utilities is 400 times faster than that, 10 gigabits per second. This is a little different conversation than I often have with, quote, businesses. But it is very clear that CFU is a business because you're competing in the marketplace. Talk, though, about the structure of it and the organization of it that makes it different from, if you will, a private business or a publicly traded stock business. There's, there's some differences or some commonalities as well from the competitive standpoint. But Cedar Falls Utilities is organized as a municipal utility within the state of Iowa. So our primary charter is to serve the residents of Cedar Falls. We're formed by the community. We're governed here locally by the community through a five-member board who are all residents and citizens of Cedar Falls. So our governance structure, of course, is much different than a private company. That allows us some nice benefits from a flexibility standpoint and the ability to make decisions here locally. And our shareholders are really our customers. So we're, we're not driven by quarterly results, we're able to take a long-term view of the business, uh, which has been helpful for us. The key factor here is it allows us to serve the community and make decisions based on what we think is, is best for our citizens. And you mentioned the flexibility. In some respects, you would think a business, a traditional business, might be nimble enough and they can go do things, but any more businesses are parts of such large holes it is much more complicated. It is easier for you to be able to report to your board, have these folks very focused on what it is that you're doing, and, and have that one-on-one relationship with your customer base to know what they want. So, again, the old-school thought of businesses being nimble and anything that has any relationship to government being more complicated, that's really on its head these days, isn't it? I think it is for us, and we've been careful over the years to not consider ourselves a monopolistic type organization, which historically maybe some utilities feel that way. You know, we operate electric, natural gas, and water systems as well. And those are monopolistic by nature in terms of we're the only service provider available in Cedar Falls for those services. The communications utility is much different in that we compete with other providers for broadband services, such as high-speed internet or point-to-point data services, as well as cable TV and telephone business. So those are very, very competitive businesses, and we've been careful over the years to make sure that we treat them as such, meaning we try to serve our customers properly. And it's not take it or leave it. Uh, We work with our customers very closely. And the fact that we are local has really served us well. If there's there's an issue here in Cedar Falls, it's local people that are dealing with it all the way to myself or our board members, depending on the issue, get very much involved with our customers. I know from living in various communities over the course of time, 
it is common to complain about the cable company or the phone company or the internet company. It's almost part of the culture. But I do know that in communities where the city government talked about starting a municipal utility, maybe they put it on the ballot for a referendum, the first step, et cetera, all of a sudden the cable company, the internet company, they, they all of a sudden had new products because they had to compete. Prior to that time, it was monopolistic. When cable first started some 40 years ago, you got an exclusive franchise because you couldn't make it work as a business. That dynamic is very different because, yes, you have some advantages as the municipal utility, but that makes competition much more aggressive than it might otherwise be, correct? I think it absolutely has. You know, We got into this business in the mid-90s. Part of that was... Uh, the, at the time, the incumbent providers, both cable TV at the time and telephone, were not uh, really interested in upgrading their system here locally and providing high-speed type services. So there were some visionary folks in the community at that time that decided, you know, maybe we should just do this ourselves as a community. And we were one of the first municipals to take that step. And it went to a, a voter referendum, passed overwhelmingly, and then Cedar Falls Utilities was charged to be the one to build and operate the network. And it has been a competitive process all along and still is today. And I think that's good for the community. I think that's good for us. I think it's good for our competitor um, that, that there is that competition. It makes us all be a little better at what we do. And we think that having a balance of municipal entities providing these kind of services as well as private entities provides a nice competitive balance. And, and I think it's worked out well for our community and others throughout the state. Now, having said that, municipal broadband doesn't work for everybody. Not every community is going to be successful doing this. We have been in Cedar Falls. We've had a great loyal customer base, uh, and that's allowed us to do some things that we've done, uh, including build fiber throughout town and all the things that have led to our really, really high speeds that we have today. So the competitive nature has been good, I think, for everyone. And let's pick up on that because you have the fiber through town. According to PC Magazine, you're the fastest ISP internet service provider in the country. What does it take to get from the vision of 20 years ago of starting this up to getting to the point where a half dozen years ago or so you had a president come to town and visit to where now you're the fastest in the country with 10 gigabit internet service, something that, that was just fanciful a few years ago? Yeah, for starters, I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun to work for an organization and in a community that's recognized nationally and to some degree internationally for the type of service we have here that is really can match up with the fastest in the world. So with us, it started again back in the mid nineties. Our first broadband internet service was four megabits per second. At that time, that was lightning fast and it was on all the time. If you remember those days, we were used to dial-up modems, and you got maybe 250K speed if you were lucky. So 4 megabits or 4,000K was really, really fast. And, you know, fast forward over the years, we built up a really, really loyal and large customer base where we had 90% of the customers in town connected with our service. That provided us the financial revenue and the wherewithal to, in 2010, take that step to upgrade to the next level of service, which was putting fiber in throughout town. Prior to that, it was a hybrid system of fiber and some coaxial cable. In 2010 through about 2013, we rebuilt the whole system with fiber everywhere in town. And that has almost limitless capacity. 
And at that time in 2013, we introduced one gig service. We were the first community in Iowa throughout the community to have one gigabit service available. And here we are now a few years later announcing 10 gigabit using the same fiber that we put in the ground, uh, you know, starting 10 years ago and upgrading the equipment on the ends to allow faster and faster speeds. And, and this probably won't be the end of it, right? In a few more years, I hope we're doing another interview talking about whatever the next iteration is of speeds because our idea is to try to stay ahead of our customers, get out of their way, provide no bottlenecks for them and let them create, let them figure out what they can do with this high speed capacity. This is a question born of ignorance, but you have the same fiber now running 10 gigabit through it as opposed to one. Why was it not 10 then? Is it because of the equipment on each side wasn't yet sophisticated? And is that the reason why you say potentially the it's limitless if we can get this end and that end to improve because the conduit, the fiber, is not going to change and doesn't need to? Is that fair? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. There's two things that drive it. One is a customer need. Uh, in 2010 and then through 2013, as we were building the fiber, customer demands and increases in bandwidth usage was growing astronomically and still is today. So in 2013, one gigabit was really leading edge. That was more than most anybody was actually going to use at that time. Since that time, think about what's happened. Think about all the streaming television sets, 4K TVs in your house that are often used for streaming now. Uh, you've got your laptop. You've got your tablet. You've got your smartphone, you've got security systems, you've got your refrigerator, you've got your watch, all these things connected to the internet so that that demand just has continued to grow. That plus the technology of the end piece equipment, you're exactly right, drives this also. Back in 2013, there was not 10 gig equipment that was commercially available. And we actually helped uh, one of the manufacturers who we utilize now start testing their 10 gig equipment back in 2017. So there's been a development process even over the last three years to develop the 10 gig equipment where it seemed to be commercially viable and, and we wanted to head that direction. Broadband speeds are sort of the story of haves and have nots. Because for example, I live in a rural area. The definition of what broadband is, is actually not that much faster than the fastest dial up used to be. And so you can say you have broadband in an area, but it's still pretty clunky. But if I were inside your trade zone, if I were inside the city of Cedar Falls, I would have this amazing speed. From a societal standpoint, how does one bridge that gap? Because obviously I make a trade-off by living in a rural area because I like certain quality of life aspects, but I also surrender the opportunity to have the fastest internet speed in the country. Is there a way that this gets bridged where, for example, entities like yours branch out to either a sister community or a rural area? It's difficult when you get into rural areas because of population density, quite frankly, because it is a capital intensive business still to build the fiber, to physically build the assets into rural areas where the customer density isn't that great. And in fact, in the rural area around Cedar Falls, we've built fiber out to some areas where there's where there's dense neighborhoods, but we also serve a wireless system for much of our other rural customers. And while it's a much better service than they had prior to that, they were relying earlier on satellite internet services, which are not which are typically not very reliable. This is is a much better solution for them through our wireless, but it's nowhere near the capacity, the speeds, and the reliability that our fiber system is. 
So it's a challenge to think about rural areas to get to this level. Now, there are a number of rural cooperatives and so forth that also have the capability and have put in some fiber in communities around Iowa. I think that's a positive step. But I suspect even those to build into really rural areas where there's low density is a struggle and is a challenge. So quite frankly, without probably some subsidies, it's pretty difficult from a business perspective to make that work. And we are running a business. You know, we're, we're not subsidized in our case at all by the government or by our electric utility customers or by any taxation. Our business is standalone, paid for by the subscribers of our system. That's a challenge, but you're right. There is there is a, a disconnect and a difference around what's available. And that's an interesting point that bears repeating. Your electric side is not subsidizing your internet side. Your TV side is not subsidizing telephone. These have to be standalone units or else the whole thing just falls apart because, again, you may be organized differently, but if you don't think of it as a business, then it's just not going to work. You can't maintain much less grow. Right. And in our case, as a municipal entity, our communications utility is separately a legal entity, separate from our electric utility, which is separate from our gas and our water. Their books are all completely separate. The financials are separate. So they're actually legal uh, separate legal entities, and we have to keep them separate from that perspective as a municipal. So that, that really, rightfully so, disallows any of that subsidization to occur across. There are various state laws that prohibit the state from being in competition with private industry, and state includes any governmental entity. Do you get much pushback? Because you're organized differently. It's not the city of Cedar Falls, per se. Do you get much pushback occasionally, or did you early on before it might have been tested in court from the other providers? We don't need to name them, but the other providers who might be saying, well, no, wait a minute, we don't need this kind of competition. Yeah, we very much did, particularly when first starting. There was a lot of discussion, a lot of dissent and disagreement about whether a, a municipal ought to be allowed to offer broadband services. And, and I, you know, I understand that from the private sector. I understand the protection of their interests to some degree. But in the end, uh, you know, the law has sided with the favor of allowing municipal utilities in Iowa to form these kind of entities. And I think it's shown to be a really good decision and a really good step. So there is still that issue out there. And there are still occasionally stories written about the failures of municipal utilities. Occasionally, we are named in there as a failure, uh, which is really interesting when you look at the facts. None of the facts support that with respect to what we've done here in Cedar Falls. So I have to admit, sometimes we see those articles and we are frustrated by them, but we chuckle a little bit also to say, well, this clearly isn't representing the facts. It's not written by anybody who is really diving deep into the truths on these issues. There's challenges there, but I think it's it's fair. And, uh, you know, as a, as a governmental entity, if you will, as a municipal, we do have to be careful with that. We have to be smart about what businesses we dive into and what makes sense for our community. A lot of people look at fiber and broadband systems as a necessity now. It's like a backbone in a community like streets and sewer systems and electric and gas and others. It's, it's really become a common way of life and a necessity. And, and boy, I tell you, it's paid off here locally with respect to what we've all faced the past few months with so many more people working from home. We've got a lot of comments from folks in Cedar Falls about how easy it was for them to transition to work from home because of the system and speeds we've got here. Picking up on that, this has to be a big help for economic development and attracting business to Cedar Falls. But I have to ask, you're the fastest internet service provider in the country with 10 gigabit per second service. 
Is there much demand for that? Are people taking advantage of it? I understand why it's a wonderful thing to have, but are you that far ahead of the needs of customers that there aren't that many people taking advantage of it yet? Yeah, we're, we're really far ahead of the average customer's needs. Our typical speed for internet, our base speed now is 250 megabits per second, which is still astronomically fast and more than most homeowners need. So 10,000 obviously is well beyond 250, but you will have what you might call power users, whether that's a residential customer or business customers that will grow into this 10 gigabit per second need over a period of years. Same thing happened again with one gigabit per second. When we introduced that, I thought, boy, you know, who really needs that? Well, now we've got over a thousand customers that are on that type of service and it'll be a few years, but we will have the 10 gigabit per second need out there as well. Steve Bernard is the general manager of CFU, Cedar Falls Utilities. They're online at CFU.net. We spoke via Zoom on July 1st. And while having such robust broadband service is a benefit to businesses and economic development generally, some 85% of CFU's broadband revenue comes from residential customers. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.